He requested them to dress beautifully with fine clothes and ornaments and to refresh their bodies with luxurious sandalwood taste. The essential activity, however, was the circumnavigation of the holy vomitous cows, sacrificial fires, and especially Govardhan Hill. Salamkrita Bhutta Bhutta Vanta Swanuvipta Sumasasa Pradakshina Chakrita Govikarana Parvata. And Prabhupada in Krishna book, what Prabhupada says here in relation to this verse is a sacrifice known as Govardhan Puja is observed in the Krishna consciousness movement. Lord Chaitanya has recommended that since Krishna is worshipable, so his land, Vrindavan and Govardhan Hill, is also worshipable. To confirm this statement, Lord Krishna said that Govardhan Puja is as good as worship of him. From that day, Govardhan Puja has been going on and is known as Anipita. In all the temples of Vrindavan or outside Vrindavan, huge quantities of food are prepared in this ceremony and are very sumptuously distributed to the general population. Sometimes the food is thrown to the crowds and they enjoy collecting it off the ground. From this we can understand that prasadam offered to Krishna never becomes polluted or contaminated even if it is thrown on the ground. The people therefore collect and eat it with great satisfaction. Okay, I'm going to look at the commentaries first of Sanatana Goswami. He says, after that, decorating yourselves nicely, you should eat the remnants. So this is after offering it to Govardhan. Or, unlike other activities, this does not give suffering, but rather great joy. He then gives instructions which show their happiness. Su is not added to Bhukta Bhanta, as with the other words before and after, since eating milk, pro- pro- milk produced was in itself most excellent. So Sanatana Goswami says the reason there's no Su before Bhukta, Bhukta is to eat, before the food, is that they're going to be eating dairy products which are already su. So you don't have to say. Su means very wonderful, beautiful, auspicious. So if you're going to be eating milk products, they're already beautiful, wonderful, auspicious, and so you don't have to put su. It would be redundant. All right, let's look at Jiva Goswami, who says just the opposite. So he says, a little longer commentary, this ceremony is not full of hardships like others, but can be done most comfortably. The prefix su should be added to bhuktavanta, just as seen with the previous and following words. It indicates that the poor should be fed to full satisfaction. So you remember Krishna said to feed everybody? The poor, the chandalas, the dogs, etc. Though the usual method is to circumambulate the cows, fires, brahmanas, and govardhan simultaneously, the verse indicates separate circumambulation. Because it is prescribed to worship each of them separately, followed by circumambulation of each. So you worship the brahmanas, then go around them, and then you worship the cows and go around them, and you worship the fire and go around them, and you worship govardhan and go around them. Separate Purkama of Govardhan is mentioned. Quote, then placing the cows, bulls, and calves in front of them, they circumambulated Govardhan in verse 33. Quote. One cannot concoct another process since the words of Harivamsa are also clear. Now, what Jiva Goswami says next is reflected in the BBT purport. Being nicely decorated is not a specific rule, but is mentioned to encourage them to perform the ceremony. 
even if one is not decorated or dressed like or dressed nicely, or with no desires to do so, the ceremony can be completely successful. The parikrama should take place after feeding the cows and others, after feeding Govardhan with many offerings. So first you're going to have prasadam, and then you're going to do the circumambulation. Not all the cows should be worshipped, but only the main ones, since they are unlimited in number, so it will take a long time to worship each cow individually. And only some of them should go to parikrama for the same Right. So when I was, I was really looking my whole life for some sort of spiritual process, and I had several reasons why I chose Krishna consciousness and the Hare Krishna movement. You know, sometimes people ask me, you know, why did you come or why have you stayed? So I had been looking for a spiritual process my whole life. I mean, literally since I was four. And then I was in college. I was going to Bennington College in Vermont. We had a work-study program in January, February. I was in Chicago. And I was working at the Museum of Science and Industry. And, you know, you're starting to think when you're in college, what am I going to do with my life? You know, and at at that time in the 70s, uh, it was also the concept that a woman could have a career. And so I was thinking, you know, what kind of career would I like to have? And I'm looking at everybody on the train at 6 in the morning, and none of them look like they want to be on the train at 6 in the morning. Not one of them. No, they all look like they would rather be anyplace else but on the train at 6 in the morning. And I thought, you know, no matter what career I take up, I'm going to end up looking like these guys. You know, it just doesn't matter. I mean, I was thinking of, you know, every... I was listing possible careers. I remember I even listed the military. I was listing like anything I could possibly do, and I thought, this is how I'm going to end up. And then I, 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 what I ended up doing was running into one uh, brahmachari, uh, Yasumari Nandana, who was very uh, lady unfriendly. Anyway, I ended up running into him on the train, and he told me that there was a temple two blocks from where I was staying at Northwestern University. And I, I had been looking for the temple, but I hadn't been able to find it. So I went to the temple, and actually went a couple times, and then the temple president, Sri Govinda, asked me if I wanted to stay overnight. I'd visited temples before, but I'd never stayed overnight. So I stayed overnight, and I got up in the morning, and went to Mangalartik, and I saw that people looked the opposite of what people look like on the train. Right? Instead of like, they were all they were dancing right and I said yes that's the way I want to to wake up I want to wake up dancing I don't want to wake up morose and it was it was a, a huge deciding factor for me I'm like the devotees wake up dancing and of course we have a sign outside the this temple that says every day is a festival right there's a sign right it says every day is a festival. Of course, uh, we don't quite mean that literally, or else poor Lila Shakti would fall apart if she had to actually put on a big festival every day, right? <laughs> She'd be like, ah! <laughs> but we have this move that every day is a festival. At the end of the Varaha pastime, it says the Lord Varaha goes back to the spiritual world where every day is a festival. So I would say that most religionists have this concept 
of simply doing austerity. You know, I'm going to do austerity in this world and then I'm going to go to heaven. And even their concept of heaven is not really very festive. You know, it's kind of these angels in the clouds just strumming harps. You know, it's not, right? Or, or the, the Jews say you just go to the heaven and you study the Torah, which, which is nice. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind studying Shastra forever. But it, it's, again, not, not really that festive. But for Krishna, we can say that Krishna really knows how to throw a party. Right? I mean, and the Hare Krishna devotees are famous for that. The Hare Krishna devotees are famous for being able to throw good parties, isn't it? Right? It's how we're known all over the planet for singing, dancing, and feasting and having big parties. Because we worship uh, Krishna, who's Dira Lalita. He's the party boy. I mean, he's the other things, too. You know, he's Dira Dada, the hero. Dira Dada, the bad boy. Dira Prasanta, the gentleman. But he's also Dira Lalita. He's the party boy. And definitely in this Govardhan Lila, it's interesting, when he lifts Govardhan Hill, he exemplifies Dhirodhata, the hero, uh, but also in this whole festival, he's exemplifying this party mood. And he's telling everybody how to have a good party. And this, this is, again, what people want to do, isn't it? People want to party. I, I remember I was speaking to one devotee, African-American, Gurukuli, who uh, was... Uh, she had just gotten her doctorate and she was going to work as a college professor. We were talking about what to do with the African-American communities that were struggling with drugs and violence and stuff. And I said, why don't we open a transcendental nightclub without any intoxicants, you know, just kirtan, just, you know, dancing and kirtan and prasada and give them an alternative way to party you know, we do this in the big cities of the world, at least before COVID. You know, in London, New York, we take out in London 150 people to the street Saturday night, and we would have a big party, right, right where everybody is having their, you know, going to the theater and drinking alcohol and so forth and so on. And we're taking out the Sankirtan party. And we've got, I mean, every Saturday night in London, we put at least 150 people, uh, devotees, to come. And it was just this incredible, incredible party, and people would, would join. People would join. Yeah, you know, I want to party all the time. You know, kind of like in the early days of ISKCON when they made these posters, stay high forever. Right? So how to party forever. How to celebrate. So first thing we notice is that the circumambulation is going to go, and the worship is going to go on after the feast. And, you know, as, when I, as a former world traveler, I've sometimes asked people to experiment with putting prasadam first because often people just show up for prasadam, like they'll skip the kirtan, they'll skip the class, and then they just show up to eat. I said, try putting the feast first. And a number of places they do that, and then they get more participation. So it's interesting. You know, it also allows families with young children to, to participate. I know some families with young children where you know the feast is being served at 8 o'clock <laughs> And they can't get their kids to bed. They can't get their kids to school the next day. Right? And I said, just serve the feast first. Uh, so at least for this festival, Krishna's like, serve the feast first. And then he's telling them how to have a festive mood. He says, wear fancy clothes. 
wear fancy jewelry, and cosmetics. So fancy clothes, fancy jewelry, fancy cosmetics. And of course, this is something that people generally do when they want to celebrate, isn't it? I mean, even people going to church, they would have their Sunday best. They put on special clothes to go to church on Sunday. And there's this concept that if I'm going to a party, if I'm going to a special event, if I'm going to something that's celebratory, I don't wear my usual clothes. I wear clothes that are not suitable for working. Right? Like we're back to transplant Tulsi and Grubach is going to help me. And she said, can I wear pants? I'm like, yeah, definitely I'm going to wear pants. You know, you're going to be working with the dirt, right? You're going to get all dirty. And we have certain clothes for work, right? And then like our kind of everyday clothes. But a party, you're just having fun. You're not supposed to be working. <laughs> so you can wear gorgeous stuff, you know. That you can wear stuff that it's even hard to kind of move around in and do a lot in. Stuff with all kinds of ornaments on it and big fluffy sleeves. And because you're just having a good time. So it's indicative that, okay, I'm going to be celebrating. And it also, of course, if you're going to someone's wedding or someone's birthday party, it indicates that you're celebrating with them. I mean, not only do we decorate our bodies, we often decorate the place. Right? We'll put up, you know, of course, nowadays in America, we just put up like paper decorations or tinsel decorations. In India, they put up all fresh flowers. So when there's a, a celebration... Everything's covered with flowers. So you decorate the room, maybe you decorate the walkway. Where we stay in Govardhan, there's lots of weddings, and they decorate the streets and the walkways and the trees, and everybody dresses up. And then you have a sense that we're, we're relaxing, we're celebrating. Now, of course, Jiva Goswami says, well, some people might not like to do that. Right? You're going to have... Um, at least on this planet, as Krishna's devotees, some people who are renunciates, they don't have any fancy clothes. You know, what are they going to wear? Like, I have one silk sari that I practically never wear. But, I mean, I know one of our, uh, our sannyasis, Hanumat Prasak Swami, who I would say is one of the most real, real sannyasis in our movement, he travels with three sets of clothes, and he just wears two. And then he says, the third set is a little nicer. So he wears that for, you know, a festival or a special occasion. And he's, he's very interesting. He, he washes, he says he washes his clothes in the shower with his feet every day. And then he wrings them out and puts, he never sleeps on a bed. He sleeps on the floor. He uses his bed to dry his clothes that he washes in the shower with his feet. And he says he goes barefoot any place he's legally allowed to go barefoot. But still he has a set of clothes for fancy occasions. So, you know, but there may be people who just aren't into it. You know, like you go to Vrindavan today and you're going to see some people with, you know, dirty, torn clothes and matted hair. And, you know, they don't have any fancy clothes for a festival or any jewelry or something like that. So Jiva Goswami says, well, that's not essential. Right? But it does make a difference, doesn't it? Right? If everybody's dressed up and everybody's in their, in their fancy clothes, it adds to the festive atmosphere. But the most important thing is the worship. And this is what modern society skips. This is what modern society skips. You know, if we think about a festival like Holi, which is this completely, which is not my thing, by the way, 
But it's a completely wild festival. Now there you don't wear nice clothes. There you wear your old crummy clothes. Right? And you get covered with colors. And people in a traditional holy celebration, they're also circumambulating the deity. So many years ago, I was visiting some of my family who were not devotees. And they said, oh, we're going to go for a color run. Would you like to come? I'm like, what is a color run? <laughs> so I went with them, and there's people running a circle around just a piece of grass. They're circumambulating, but they were just circumambulating some grass. And every once in a while, they would stop and throw colors at each other. And then at the end, they had music and wild dancing, but it wasn't here time. And I thought, you know, they're trying to have a party without God. They're taking the religious element out of the party. They're trying to keep that festive atmosphere without God. Or we see this, of course, uh, so they, they've done this with, you know, a Vedic festival. And we see it's been done with Christian festivals. You know, Christmas without Christ Mass, right? Christmas is a, a tree. What? in the world, you know, a tree that you put little things on. Like, what? You know, and then some fat man in a red suit giving out presents. You know, what does this have to do with the birth of Jesus? Absolutely nothing. So they're having this big festival but they've removed Jesus from it. And, and Easter is the worst. You know, Easter. So when, when Christ is risen and what are you doing? You're searching for painted eggs in the grass. And you're, you're focusing on rabbits. It's just like... I, I really thought of this uh, reading in the 16th and 17th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. People who make up their own religious systems, their own functions, their own ceremonies. You know, so this tendency to celebrate is there, but they're thinking we're going to celebrate without God. Now, when we look at, at needs, right? We look at... at feelings and needs, one of the needs we have is to celebrate, isn't it? And to mourn. To have something to mark a celebration or mourning. And all the samskaras in Vedic society were times of celebration and marking. Right? They were different times of life. And again, we have those in our modern society. We have, you know, the first day of school and the graduation and the wedding and this kind of thing. But often we pull out the essential feature. We keep the side things, you know, dress beautifully, eat special opulent food, right? have music, have dancing, and we forget about the worship. We, we keep the secondary things, which actually could be jettisoned, and we forget the essential things. And therefore people are not happy. Now, people are not happy. You know, you go to these big cities where practically every night there's a party culture. Like I've stayed at Soho Street in London, and every night people are partying. It's not just Friday and Saturday night. Or Barcelona is extreme. I mean, they're, they're partying every night until 6 in the morning. At least in London, they stop about 3. But in Spain, they go until 6. But they're not happy. And one of the reasons you can tell they're not happy is in order to have artificial happiness, they take intoxicants. You know, 
happy people don't need to take intoxicants. Happy people are already God intoxicated. (laughs) I mean, even in religions, you have, you know, it's my tradition, so I can say it. You know, even in in Judaism, they finish the Torah every year, and the day when they finish and start again, Simhas Torah, the joy of the scriptures, they go out and sing and dance in the streets the first they get drunk. Because they just can't release their inhibitions to go out singing and dancing in the street unless they're intoxicated. You know, and that's even in a religious system. It's like this. So we want to introduce real celebration back to the world. I mean, it's, it's one of the, the problems in the pandemic that we're really struggling with. You know, but this is something that we do. We take festivals. Rathiatra, like Shiva Prabhupada was into Rathiatra from the time he was a little boy. And to bring Rathiatras all over the world. Right? I know I've, I've been to the Woodstock Festival a few times, and Indra Swami will take a little rock cart through the festival goers to bring them the real festival. You know, and that's what we do, right? We take some sort of festival, a, a parade festival, a kirtan festival, to the world and to show people that really every day can be a festival. Just like at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, Sanjaya is saying how he's, when he meditates on the universal form, he's feeling a thrill. And Srila Prabhupada writes there that one should feel a thrill not sometimes, but at every moment. And actually, if we are in Krishna consciousness, then even if we're just eating unsalted quinoa and even if we're wearing our regular clothes and we don't have any makeup on, because we're worshipping the Lord and we're worshipping the Lord's devotees, if we're in that mood, we feel like we're in a festival. I mean, I just have experience in my own uh, practice of Krishna consciousness that as soon as I get in that mood, I feel that I'm in a festival. As soon as I get in the mood, well, I'm worshipping the Lord, I'm worshipping the devotees. Then it doesn't matter if you know, ostensibly it's an ordinary day and there's no external festivities going on, then one feels that one is in a festival. You know, and the big festivals are just sort of like amping up what's already there. So that's how we're meant to live. We're meant to live not in the material world. We're meant to live in the spiritual world. And it's not that just we do a lot of austerities here, and then we're going to go to some reward of death. We're supposed to be experiencing that festival going on now in our life. And of course, we love the Govardhan Puja Festival because, um, as uh, Sanatana Goswami, Jiva Goswami say, this is, there's no austerity in the Govardhan Puja Festival. Right? Our other festivals, we do some fasting, right? There's some types of, but not in the Govardhan Puja Festival. Then there's no austerity. Now, we should mention one other thing about Krishna really knowing how to party. And this is going to sound a little peculiar. But Krishna also has some drama in this party. Right? After the party's over, Indra's floods were done. <laughs> he also creates some kind of drama. The party without any drama is boring. You know, so Krishna really knows how to put... I mean, people try to do this kind of thing. Like, I've read about these crazy gender reveal parties where they try to have some kind of drama and people die. <laughs> <laughs> it's a boy! 
you know, and then grandma falls over dead from the firecrackers. But the concept of having some sort of drama there in a celebration is also very much part of Krishna's idea of how to celebrate something. Because otherwise things are just sort of insipid. We're all happy. You know, that's sort of the Ramajoti goers. But but Krishna is Bhagavan. And so we shouldn't... uh, we shouldn't be afraid of the drama that happens in our little celebrations, in our day-to-day working with the thrill at every moment, and in our big festivals, which often have a lot of drama, <laughs> a lot of opposing, we have one coming up on Wednesday, you know, a lot of opposing elements and things that don't work right, and something that, this and that, and the other happens. Uh, but that's also part of our way of celebrating. So this is how we are meant to live life, that every day is a festival and we have a thrill at every moment. And this is the God that we worship. We worship a God who knows how to thrill a party. We're not worshiping the old, boring God. You know, and I can say this too because I'm old. Old people are generally boring. You know, we've experienced so many things in life we've become so conservative. Oh, this might happen, and that might happen. I don't want to try this. I don't want to try that. You know, our bodies don't function to run around and jump high in the air anymore. So we can be kind of boring. So people think of God like that, you know, this old boring man. You have been sinful. (laughs) They think of him like that. That he just sits around judging all day. But he's not like that. He's just... Uh, Sylvan, he's a forest god, you know, worshipping mountains <laughs> and cows and challenging Indra <laughs> and, then it's, and, having, and having fun, you know, having fun. So that's, that's our, supposed to be, as I've said before, I was, once was asked a question by uh, one of our ISKCON Sunday school teachers at <laughs> a Sunday school that I was trying to give advice to. I don't know if they listened to anything I said. But she said, how do we make Krishna consciousness fun for the children? And I said, if you're conscious of Krishna, you'll be having fun. I said, I don't know who you're conscious of. Then <laughs> you're not having fun. You know, maybe you're conscious of Durga Devi or something. You know? But as soon as we're conscious of Krishna, then we're going to be having fun. And if we're not, if Robert said if we're not joyful, we cannot make advancement. You know, it's just as right now I'm preparing for teaching Bhakti Shastri for Nectar Devotion, and there's place agni. There's the destruction of miseries that's supposed to happen in Sadhana Bhakti. And I'm thinking, if I'm feeling miseries, then I must not even be doing Sadhana Bhakti. You know, we're not supposed to be experiencing the miseries of this world. Well, we're supposed to be in another state. So, questions, comments, additions, subtractions? The uh, word Easter actually refers to a, a, a goddess of, of fertility. Oh, so, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so it has really nothing to do nothing with, to do with the, Jesus. And that's where they get the bunnies and the eggs, you know. From this fertility goddess. Fertility so, you know, you can just see you know, people don't even know what they're doing. You know, they just do something and uh, it's mindless ultimately. Yes. Yes, and then there's then it's not they're not you're not actually enjoying you're just going to be in the modes of nature. Chocolate was nice. Chocolate bunnies. Uh, chocolate bunnies. Yeah, I like them. You like the chocolate. 
But yeah, as soon as you remove God, then, then you just your celebration is in one of the modes of nature. You know? It's, it's, and you're not really going to have any kind of happiness. Any other question? Comment? Chastisement? Yes, Correct. When it comes when it comes time for fun or anything like that, I I like to dress down rather than dress down. You like to dress down rather than dress down. Well you're you're okay, Jiva Goswami gives you permission, you don't have to dress down. Okay, good. You're, you're okay with Jiva Goswami. But in general that should be done. I mean generally the devotees should dress up for festivals. Except people who just, you know, aren't into it. I don't want to dress up. But imagine if everybody comes to a festival in like their garden clothes. <laughs> it would be kind of depressing. It's fun. It would be a garden. They're more relaxed. They're more relaxed. They're more relaxed festival. Yeah. Well, you can argue with Krishna about that because he's the one who's talking about this. <laughs> you, can, you can take that up with him. Anybody else? Prabhupada Ki Jai.